we need to own our own stuff, not in a way that condemns ourselves or shames ourselves, but just owns it and says, hey, I, I want to grow and then ask people to support you in that way. So those are some things to really keep in mind when people start using this tool. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, gang. So please welcome Beth McCord to the show. She's an author, speaker, and Enneagram expert who founded the popular online community, Your Enneagram Coach. Beth is a type nine, peaceful mediator who lives outside of Nashville with her co-founder and husband of 23 years, Jeff. If you're scratching your head, huh, right about now, never fear. Today's show will tell you everything you need to know about Enneagrams, the kind of trending personality test that could give us all key insights to crush our careers, relationships, and life goals. Welcome, Beth. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so fun. So this is Christine. Before we jump into the show, we're going to do our little weekly catch up. Um, And the topic, Megan brought it up. She actually saw the New York Times article on languishing, which is, if you don't know, the middle child between thriving and depression. So you're not functioning at all full capacity. Um, And it's super interesting because, you know, when you ask someone like, you know, how are you doing? And they're like, meh, it's sort of like eh, here, there. This is like the word you could use instead. Um, But one of the really interesting things I talked about or I read when I was um, reading the article was that it says the importance of setting boundaries and focusing on small goals will help you find solace in those experiences and capture your full attention. So you're going to be able to focus if you can sort of not pile on all of the all of the things all at once and over, you know, during this last year, during COVID, it was just, it was all of that. And I feel like we were so bombarded and just had all these things coming at us and we were trying to tackle everything. So I'm a huge fan of boundaries, especially lately and this year. Um, and I think it's been really helping me. So I don't know. What are you guys, how are you guys feeling on all that? I love the article because it it gave a name to what most of us are feeling, right? There are certainly people who were probably in the throes of depression and and really, really struggling. And there's probably like those one percenters who are kicking life's ass and feeling really, really great. But I think for the majority of us, and, and even me with all my fully charged life tricks, often just feel a little meh because life has been a little bit Groundhog's Day and can be a little bit joyless. Um, and just sometimes being able to assign a name some, to something helps you to get action steps through it. Um, and so for me, it was just it was just interesting to have the name for how so many of us are feeling and, and really made me even want to prioritize finding yay and, and living with optimism and joy even more. I love that. This is Jamie. And uh, and Megan, I'm sure this is the type of tip that you give. I mean, it is the type of tip you give in, in your fully charged life, which is breaking things down into those digestible action steps. And it's what I talk about with my coaching clients every day in my, my program, The Big Ask. Like, this is literally what people do. They come to me and they say, like, I just had somebody do this yesterday. She was like... Well, okay, but we we started working together this many weeks ago. And so by Memorial Day, I just want to be at this weight. And she's constantly crunching the numbers and giving herself anxiety over what she isn't, what could be, I'll be happy when. That's, you know, so many of us have the I'll be happy when syndrome. Rather than saying, what three small action steps could I take today? And to me, that's always been my kind of life hack to getting out of meh feeling, you know, like I'm languishing is just 
three small things. Like where can I put my feet on the ground today and do something that makes me feel good? And it can be as simple as making your bed. And I think it's it's funny. Like these are the tips you give Megan in your book. And sometimes this, the most effective skills and the ones that bring the biggest change are the least sexy, but they're just things that work. Um, and I think that if more people could just kind of wrap their head around that, they might be better off because the I'll be happy when is what we get stuck in, I find. And it's what causes us to just kind of put up with languishing as if we should be okay with just feeling kind of medium every day. You can feel great, but it doesn't have to come in like great big doses. If you're if you're addicted to the dopamine high of the raise, you know, the job raise, uh, the, you know, the, the winning the blue ribbon. Um, those are few and far between, but we can do little things every day to kind of kick us in the pants. Look, this morning I was feeling like crap. I've been sick. And Megan, you texted me. You're like, I just finished a seven mile run. And I was like, I need to get outside and take a walk. And I grabbed my husband and we went and took a hike and it changed, it changed my entire life. And I also said, Jamie, to your point, and I know, you know, all of us on this Zoom are are the doers and the type A, but it's so interesting that when you do allow yourself that little space and like you said, prioritize and do it in chunks so you know you're focusing on certain things at certain times. When I am so much better off and I come back so much refreshed if I give myself chunks as well for the resting part. So you give yourself the chunks of time to do the all the things and you know whatever meetings and phone calls and things like that, but there has got to be time that you set chunks of time for the walk, the rest, the whatever. I come back never hands down, I know you guys know this about me, but after my run, I literally come back with nine new ideas and, you know, sometimes a new job I'll stop and I'll, you know, I'll text somebody during a run, which you're not supposed to do or email because you're supposed to stay checked out. But I have gotten some of my best gigs on runs. So there's something to be said for, you know, as much as we are all doers, 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 and, you know, we want to go, there's something to be said about letting yourself just be and seeing what comes of that too. And maybe if we're all languishing, what we really just need to do is take our Enneagram assessment yeah. and figure out what our Enneagram type is and allow that to spark us forward. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. The less we know about ourselves, the the harder it is to change, right? So this is Jamie. I'll take that cue and I'll dive right into our topic intro. So what is your Enneagram type? It's a question I get asked on the regular lately. I don't know about anybody else, but it comes up all the time. And I've kind of always been like, huh? I don't, I don't really know exactly what you're talking about, but I've heard it's trending. So today we're going to ask the expert to break it down for us. We cannot wait to tap into your 17 years of experience, Beth, pouring over the Enneagram data. And we actually all took our Enneagram assessment test yesterday. So you you can go take yours at, I think it's assessment.youreneagramcoach.com, right? Yeah. I mean, or if you just go to youreneagramcoach.com and the upper right-hand corner is is the button too. Yeah. It's free. Mm -hmm. Amazing. It's, It's free. So we all took ours. I learned that I'm a type three which is the successful achiever, which sounds like a good thing, right? But it can also maybe be like a bit of a curse because it leaves us with like a fear of failure and a constant awareness that people might, you know, God forbid, see us as unprepared, right? So like you can use those things though to change your own perspective and your outlook and do better. So let's dive in. Can you tell us what an Enneagram is and how knowing our type can help us be better at life? Yeah. So the Enneagram, the word Enneagram is a Greek word. Ennea means nine and gram means a drawing or a diagram. So for the listeners that can't see it, there is a nine pointed star and each point represents a basic uh, personality type. Now, what's 
this is very different than the Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, uh, DISC, you name it, that's out there. Because a lot of those are showing you your behaviors, uh, the things that you prefer, whereas the Enneagram is getting to why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. So it's all about your motivations. Um, and so though we have a free test, which is great, and it's actually, you know, people think it's one of the best free ones out there, um, we only use it as a guide. So even though you found out through the assessment that you're type three, we still want you to dig a little bit further to verify um, and confirm that that is your main type because we use all nine personality types uh, within us, but one reigns supreme. So, you know, you, there's a lot of types that can look like the, um, you know, the achiever, you know, being successful, but again, we have to get to the why. So what I do is I help people to see that there are four core motivations in each Enneagram type you have. And this is why you do what you do. Beth, can you break down what those nine types are though? First off? Definitely. And let me just explain what the core motivations are. And then I can break down the nine types and kind of give you a glimpse into what each of them are based off of some of the core motivations. I won't go through all of their core motivations because that would take a little bit too much time. Um, but that way I'll give you a little glimpse of them. But so the f- core motivations is you have a core fear. This is a thing you're running away from all the time. And when it pops up, you will know. Um, you have a core desire. This is like, if I get this thing, life is going to be perfect. So we're always kind of striving for something. Then we have a core weakness. Now, some teachers call it the passion or the deadly sin, but I like to call the core weakness. This is the thing that's constantly tripping you up. It's your Achilles heel, the thorn in your side. I mean, you think, oh, I'm doing better. And then all of a sudden it like comes back and gets you. Um, And then we have a core longing. This is the message your heart longs to hear. Um, And you're thirsty for it and you're striving to hear it from whether others, the world, accomplishments, etc. So the nine types, the type one is the principled reformer. Um, they are a fe- they fear being bad, evil, corruptible, and wrong. They desire to be good, ethical, moral, and right, to be balanced. So it's all about good versus bad. Is there like a celebrity that like embodies that type or like somebody we could be like, oh, that's a type one? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll try my best to kind of think of those. I usually don't do it too often because unless they have told us that that's their type, because I may think I put you on the spot with that, Beth. I'm like just trying to picture what that looks like. The reason why we don't usually type other people or even celebrities is because this is why you do what you do and it's the motivations. I don't know your heart. I can see your behaviors, but again, behaviors don't necessarily equal type. Um, and so some people will think uh, Michelle Obama is a type one. Um, and so that might be a, a great example of seeing someone that is the principled reformer. Um, some people call them the perfectionist. Some people, um, you know, call them the idealist. So there's a lot of different names, different teachers will say different names for them. Now, the type two is uh, the nurturing supporter. They fear being rejected, not needed, inconsequential, dispensable, um, unworthy of being loved. So what they desire is to be wanted, loved, and appreciated. So they're constantly feeling other people's feelings and needs and looking to see how they can help the next person. Because when they hear gratitude or appreciation, and that's when they feel like they're being loved. So a type two, let's see. Um, I mean, this is your quintessential mom figure, you know, the person who's going to nurture. Now, 
um, an unhealthy two is when a, uh, when they're going to step in in an unhealthy way and step over boundaries, and they're going to insert their help whether you want it or not. Like a mother-in-law. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And like, you need to eat. Here, eat this. Or you need to wear a coat. Here, wear a coat. And you're like, I am 40 years old. Thank you very much. You know. Um, but at the positive side of the type two, they're just... They, they know what your needs are. They're feeling for you, but they're asking, hey, can, you know, can I help you? But usually twos step in. Um, they usually aren't going to ask. Um, that's just kind of their nature because they're like, I see the needs. So let's go for it. So that'd be like a healthcare worker, like a nurse would be, was a nurse be a typical two? Could be, but here's the thing. So with the Enneagram, what's so intriguing is that all nine types can do the same thing. Um, and maybe when I get to the end, I'll show you an example of how an outward behavior or job can be similar to all nine types. Again, it's to the motivations. So I think that will be a great way to kind of explain the differences of each of the types. Now, the type three is the admirable achiever. Um, or the, um, you know, the successful achiever. So they fear being seen as or exposed as being a failure, uh, not having value, not being admired or having success. So it's all about image. So they desire to be admired by others, to for others to see how successful and how much they're achieving. Beth, I really admire Jamie just so She much. always says, what would Jamie do? <laughs> yeah, look, and I think it's, it's really interesting because it can be really motivating or it can be really paralyzing. Exactly. And that's the thing about the Enneagram I want people to understand is the Enneagram is like an internal GPS. You have your current location, so that's your main Enneagram type, and you have a healthiest destination. And of course, we're all wanting to get there, right? We're all wanting to grow and learn, but we often veer off course, right? Like we end up in this common pitfall time and time again. It's like, how did I get here? Have I not learned anything? Well, the Enneagram is going to help you to know why you're veering off course and and then what we tell people is once you start start to know why, then you can lay down those rumble strips, you know, like on the highway, those rumble strips that are supposed to alert you and wake you up. <laughs> I drive over them right? all the time. And then they're like totally <laughs> needed. I mean, you know, you could be distracted by the kids or the dog or, you know, maybe you're falling asleep at the wheel, you know, but we need these alert systems. And so often in our everyday life, we can see ourselves in the pit and we get frustrated. Like, how am I stuck again? But we don't know how we got there. And there are reasons, there's motivations behind why we do what we do. And each Enneagram type has healthy, unhealthy, and then somewhere in between in motivations and tendencies. So if we can recognize, oh, I'm getting kind of in an unhealthy direction, I can alert myself. And if I can deal with myself from a non-judgmental kind perspective, which can be hard for all of us, it's a skill we have to work on, then I can go, okay, hey, I'm starting to veer off course. And if I continue in this trajectory, I'm going to land at that same pit again. I'm going to get in the same argument with my spouse, my kids, my whatever. Um, but now I can see it happening. And so what can I do to correct course? And that's really um, how the Enneagram is brilliant as a tool for transformation, if we use it correctly. I'm so fascinated. So what's type four? Yeah. So the type four is the um, introspective individualist. So they fear... Um, being normal, like everyone else, they desire to be unique, special for others to see the depth um, of their emotions and how much beauty they can bring to the world. Uh, the type five is the investigative um, 
analyst and they are data driven. They want to be capable and competent. They want to know all the information there is to know. And they fear being obligated. They fear being intruded on. They only have so much energy reserves inside. Now, this isn't just introvertedness. This is like a battery that is, you know, like a cell phone battery that you wake up every day and you're supposed to have 100%. They only have about 20% battery life for interaction. So if you surprise them, put too much obligations on them, they're going to feel depleted very quickly. So we need to understand kind of the difference in the fives, but they have such a great source of information um, build up within them of knowledge and insights. Now, the six are the faithful guardians, and they fear being uh, without security guidance and support. And that's what they're desiring is security guidance and support. Now, they have an inner committee. You know how we all have like... um our minds can kind of go, oh, well, what about this? And what about that? But they have this inner committee that's chiming in from all sorts of perspectives. So it makes it really hard for them to go, well, which direction should I go? What should I do? So they look outside themselves for that guidance and security to follow those that they do trust, which that takes some time to get there. Now, our sevens are entertaining optimists. Now they are fun, life at the party, um, after Megan took hers, I took mine and I got the same reading. And it did surprise me a little bit. I wanted to ask you, you can go ahead and explain what it is, but some of the things I agreed with and some of them I didn't. So I'm curious to hear more about it. Um, But it is interesting. We got the same reading. Yeah. So the entertaining optimists, they are the life of the party. They uh, fear being bored, trapped in emotional pain, limited, uh, being held back from life's, you know, delights, really. They're looking for um, happiness, total satisfaction, and a content heart. But the problem is they're going and going and grabbing the next fun thing. But it's like that, it's almost like eating cotton candy. Like I'm starving and I'm hungry and I'm eating cotton candy, but then it goes away and it's like, oh, I need more. And so they reframe things to the positive and they just keep going. They keep getting more and more, but they never really... So there's this kind of this constant feeling of, I need more. There's almost this emptiness. So I kind of tell people it's like having an empty bucket inside with holes in it. And it's, they're so positive. They don't sit there and think, why am I never satisfied? They're like, oh, I just need more. And so they go and they get more. But if they really sat with it, they would realize, I never feel fully satisfied and content. So the goal for the seven is to learn how to be still or present in the moment and savor it. And for a lot of times at the beginning for sevens, that feels like they're, you know, they kind of feel like ants in their pants, like, no, that just, ah. But when they learn to be still and to savor the present moment, that is when they start to really feel satisfied and content because the blessings that they were anticipating and looking forward to, they're actually experiencing right now. Does that make sense? for you guys? Yeah. It's something I, I practice being present. It's something I know I need to work on. Yeah, me too. I'm always like, go, 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 go. And, you know, but to your point, always looking for the fun and have want to have fun and want to just enjoy. And, you know, I make, try to make sure I can balance that. And sometimes it's frustrating because you have to also be right. yeah, an adult. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So Beth, eight, eight has got to be great. What's type eight? 
Yeah. So the aides are the passionate protectors. They fear being harmed, controlled, manipulated, and at the mercy of injustice. And their desire is to protect themselves and those in their like tight inner circle. Um, and so they're all about justice, standing up, being blunt and straightforward. I basically call them snowplows, like in like where you guys live in the Northeast, those big diesel snowplows. Now they're amazing when they're in front of you, <laughs> but you don't want them to be next to you or them behind you and plow over you. So they are passionate, they're intense, but they can really plow a path for others. And that is really their heart. A lot of times people feel plowed over and yet they're like, but I'm trying to be helpful. Um, So they're very big personalities and go-getters. Now the type nine, which is my personality, is the um, peaceful accommodator. And we hate and fear conflict of any kind, tension, discord, being overlooked, shut out. We desire for there to be peace and harmony and inner stability. So that's really kind of wrapping up all nine types. That is who you're looking at. So, but you were saying like, well, can twos be nurses? And yes, absolutely. But actually Enneagram, any Enneagram type can be nurses. Now here's how I explain it to people. Think about a clean home. So let's say, let's pretend all of us all nine types desire a clean home because we know not everybody really cares. Okay. But let's pretend like they do. All of them are going to do it for different reasons. Remember, this is all about the motive and why we do what we do. So the type one is going to do it because it's the right thing to do. The type two, because it's the nurturing, loving, caring thing to do. The three is because, well, what would people think if they came over my house wasn't perfectly clean? It's all about their image and, and achieving. Four, it's all about beauty, aesthetics, their design, their creativity. So they would want people to come over and see how they've created that space. The five, it's all about their resources. So if everything was picked up and put away, they could get to their their resources quickly and not feel like they're scrambling to find them. The type six, they're going to want a clean home because it's the dutiful, loyal uh, thing to do for their family. But also it prevents people from getting hurt, like stumbling over something or getting a bacteria. You know, everything is tidy and cleaned up. Now the sevens, they might want a perfectly clean home because they don't want their clean home to keep them from the next fun thing. Like, well, if the house is all picked up, then I don't have to sit and worry about getting those things done. I can just go. And the eight, they don't, they might want a clean home because they don't want the home to control them. They are going to control the home. And the type nine for me, I want a perfectly clean home so I can chill, relax. I don't have things like kind of tapping me on the shoulder to get done. It's like, just leave me alone. Let me enjoy my peace. So as you can see, we can all want or do the same thing, but it's about the motivations behind why we do what we do. And that is the key to the Enneagram. So Beth, I'm fascinated by this. I'm curious about the science or thinking behind it. Like, what is the discipline behind this? What did you study? What is your skill set? How do we come upon these different types? Like, I want to know the science behind it. Yeah, well, that's a great question. There is more scientific research going on now than there ever has before. The Enneagram symbol, like I said, it looks like a nine-pointed star, has been used for thousands of years with different um, cultures, but it's only been since the 1970s that it's really been brought into our Western atmosphere or 
Western sphere with uh, more of a psychological personality bent. And they really, the, the ones that developed it from that mode really wanted to kind of keep it quiet and only with a few people because it's such a powerful tool. It is so exposing. It's this non-judgmental friend that literally tells you what you're like when you're at your best and all the way down to where you are at your worst. And so it can be used in very harmful ways, but it can be used brilliantly to transform your life if you use it correctly. So really, it's only been, I would say, in the last 10 years that it's gotten a lot more exposure, and it still hasn't reached a lot of the scientific world to bring in all of this data. But we were just, my husband and I were just talking to uh, some counseling departments and their research departments, and we're going to actually partner up and start doing a lot more research. So we've seen some body of research out there, but there just hasn't been enough exposure. So that's about kind of where it's at right now. This episode of Off the Gram is brought to you by Bright Cellars, a wine club that lets you skip the store and brings personalized wines right to your door. Bright Cellars is offering you 50% off your first six-bottle box by going to brightcellars.com backslash off the gram. All you have to do is take their 30-second quiz, and they will pair you with six unique and personalized wines. Plus, they have wine education cards, so you can learn all about the wines and know what food pairs well with your wine. Perfect for a date night or for bringing the right bottle of wine to a get-together. This is especially helpful for someone like me. I don't always know how to choose wine or, for that matter, remember what wines I like. So this is the perfect way for me to expand and explore different flavors and pairings. For our listeners, we are giving you 50% off your first six bottle orders from Bright Sellers. Go to brightsellers.com backslash off the gram. That's Bright Sellers, B-R-I-G-H-T-C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com backslash off the gram and take their seven question quiz to get your wine matches and receive a limited time offer of 50% off your first six bottle order. How did you come to it? Like, how did you become an Enneagram coach and expert? Yeah. Well, so my husband and I got married at 20. We had both our kids by the age of 25. And as you can imagine, it can be some bumpy roads. I mean, just for any of us when we get married, but let alone getting married so young, you don't know yourself very well, let alone this other person. And when we were about 26 years old, our kids were really, you know, they were infants. We couldn't understand why we kept having the same frustrating situations, arguments, et cetera. So we had some friends share with us one of the first Enneagram books out there. And my husband was in grad school, so he was really busy reading his own stuff. So he looked at it, thought it was interesting, but I devoured it. And as a type nine, we actually have an internal fog. We don't know ourselves very well. You probably have one of these friends where you'll say, hey, let's go out to dinner. And everyone's like, great. Well, where do you want to go? And the nine's always going to say, well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Or whatever you want. And part of it is because we just don't know what we want, our desires, because we spent so much time focusing on others. So that was part of the problem for Jeff and I is that I couldn't really explain what was going on in my internal world to help navigate some of these circumstances. But the Enneagram gave me that clarity of what was going on. So then I could start talking to him about, oh, I think this is what's going on. I think I'm feeling this. And it started to change our relationship. And then we started using it with friends and other people 
And we saw this great transformation with them and their marriages. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And then I worked for Michael Hyatt. I don't know if you guys are familiar with michaelhyatt.com, but he does a lot of leadership and productivity online courses. And uh, so I learned how to, do, to build a platform through kind of seeing behind the scenes and working for him. And I thought, oh, maybe I can do this with the Enneagram space. And I got it out there and here we are today. This is sort of takes us back to languishing though, because the, the Enneagram gives you a name for who you are at your core, right? And some sometimes just having that knowledge, having that name, associating a word with those core beliefs helps you to to take action. Yeah. And the great thing about the Enneagram, a lot of people will say, I don't want to be put in a box. The Enneagram is literally the opposite. You are already in a box that you don't realize. The Enneagram is helping you to understand how you're kind of trapped in this uh, mindset and how we're actually trying to free you from that mindset to actually live a much fuller, freer life so that you don't feel so constrained. Because a lot of times we live with these like lies or rules in our head that aren't really true, but we think they feel very true, but they don't have to be. And so um, it's kind of for like, for you guys as type sevens, it's like, oh, I have to have fun. I, I can't sit in pain. I can't sit in agony. Well, you actually can. It doesn't mean you should all the time, but there's actually ways for you to enter into some of those things that feel so absolute and so true when it's not. And actually so much good can come out of that. So same with the type threes for you, Jamie. Um, you think you always have to have a certain image and you have to achieve, but actually sometimes our greatest achievements are through our failures. And we see that like, for instance, like Michael Jordan, how many shots he missed, how many failures he had to go through to actually experience really great success. And so when we embrace the things that we fear the most, like for me, conflict and tension, it actually helps us to grow the most when we enter it in a way that is more truthful than the fear that our personality has inside. Does that make sense? Well, it makes perfect sense to me. This is Jamie. And for, you know, I've noticed this in myself recently about, well, you know, when you're stuck in just one way of being, you're a bit of a hamster on a wheel. So my days, although they do bring me joy to be quite clear, like I do love being in the busy. I do love feeling a sense of accomplishment that lights my fire, but it is abundantly clear to me that what I'm not so good at is sitting in moments of discomfort, sitting with myself, taking a break. And I don't just mean like the generic self-care, take a bubble bath, like really stepping away from my computer and taking a walk with my children, with my phone somewhere else. Like those things are things that I have to actually work on as a human. Now I knew this before I took my Enneagram test, but that test yesterday was like a stark reminder. Like Jamie, these are character defects that are glaring and that are going to keep you from growing as a human if you don't just take a step back and say, here are some areas for self-improvement. So all of that said, my question for you, Beth, is actually, can you change types? Because as I was taking the test, I was saying, oh, interesting. I used to totally be like that, but that's not me today, right? Like conflict. Like I used to have a huge fear of conflict today. I'd much rather talk with somebody, make it blunt, make it quick, nip it in the bud and let's all keep it moving. So like I've kind of moved past that. I've become a different person. Is there merit in taking this test? You know, and how often should you take it over the years? Well, your main type always stays your main type, but you do definitely change. And that's the whole point of the Enneagram. It doesn't mean you change your main type, but we grow in. So there's healthy, there's average or autopilot and there's unhealthy. And we go through those seasons as, as we look back on our life, we can start to see the different seasons and moving forward in life. We're going to have 
healthy seasons and average seasons and unhealthy seasons. Um, but the more we can see them and recognize them and grow from them, grow from them, that is what's so important. So for instance, with the Enneagram symbol, it's a really important symbol. So for you as a three, you have two numbers directly next to you, which is the two and the four. Those are called your wings. So any type has wings, the two numbers. So think about a bird. It's the things right next to you. It's not across, you know, the symbol or anything. You actually bring in some of the characteristics, healthy, all the way to unhealthy, depending on where you're at um, of those types. Now you don't become for you. You don't become the two or the four. You access some of their qualities, um, which can enhance or it can pull, you know, more weakness in depending on how healthy or unhealthy you are. But you also will see kind of like a star, you know, it has all those lines, right? That connect each other. The three is connected to nine and is also connected to six. Again, you will take on some of the characteristics for you, the type nine and the type six, both healthy and unhealthy. And by understanding, and, you know, when we lay it all out for people, we show them, you know, exactly what it's like for their type to take on. So for you as a three, what happens? is you're like a go-getter, you're knocking out of the park park all the time. But when a three is under stress, they'll move to the average, the unhealthy parts of nine, and they're going to check out. It could be like Netflix, it could be shopping, whatever is your go-to to just shut down. And it's a hard shutdown. Um, now, you wouldn't do that in front of everyone probably, but there is this shutdown mode. Um, but when you're growing, so threes, again, it's about image. It's about what do you see? You know, Do you see me as achieving? But when they're growing, they're going to move to the healthy parts of six. You don't become a six. But what's going to happen is the three, instead of it being all about me and what do you see in me, it becomes about us. It's team, it's family. And that's when a three knows that they're really growing because we want threes to stay as achievers. That is what you're so good at. So we don't want to tell people your personality type itself is flawed. No, we want you to be your type. We just want you to be your best type. We want you to know what transformation and growth looks like and to stay there. And plus, it's going to make life happier for you and all of those around you. And so no personality type is better or worse than the other. Trust me, they all at their best are amazing. And all of them at their worst are the worst. They're just worse in different ways. And so we just have to recognize that. And when you see your type, usually as a human, we kind of see the the weaknesses and the the struggles and we focus in on those. And then all of a sudden we hate the Enneagram because it's so exposing. We want to check it out the window. But if we see it as a rumble strip instead of a condemnation, we can use like for me as a nine, I want to avoid conflict. Well, guess what? When you avoid conflict, you actually create conflict. So when I start to see myself avoiding conflict, which feels real and true to me, like this is good, right? Um, I can now be alert and say, Beth, you're going to actually cause more conflict. You just need to assert yourself more. It doesn't mean you have to be mean. You know, you don't have to like go for it, like enter into it. And so I can use this tool in a way that helps me to stay on a healthier path and to be a great nine, a peaceful mediator, accommodator um, in a way that is helpful for everyone versus slipping into those same old ruts and patterns that can derail me. So does that kind of help and make sense? Yeah. I have a question. Do you think we see ourselves as others see us, like, how do you, I, I was talking to Megan and online the other day, uh, yesterday, we were discussing our weekly catch up. And I said, I wonder if we should bring up the, um, 
the idea of just, you know, how I see myself and how I think I am. Because when I took this test, I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, am I scattered? Or some of the things it was telling me when I was even answering the questions seemed like I was a little bit, I wanted to answer two different ways almost sometimes, you know what I mean? So I was thinking like, oh, well, almost second guessing my answer, thinking, well, maybe it won't, it won't have the outcome that I think I am or, you know what I mean? Um, so I wonder also, how does the outside world see us versus what our tests tell us and what even, you know, we, how we see ourselves? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of both for, for what we mean by that is, so you know your internal world and why you do what you do. Let's say you do get a little scattered. You know why. Other people might think it's something totally different. You know, for a seven, it might be like, I feel really trapped right now in this long conversation or this meeting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to like explode, like get me out of here. Um, for other people, they might see it as, um, why can't she just sit still? You know, like, is she bored? Like, does she not care? about this. And for you, it's, it's not that at all. So it, it doesn't just because someone sees your outward behavior doesn't mean they understand the motivation or what's going on inside. Um, for me as a nine, when I get overwhelmed, I can kind of check out and zone out. That doesn't mean I don't care. It means I'm so overwhelmed. I, I literally can't think. And so people might think, wow, she's disconnected and, you know, like not very responsive, um, but that's just not what's going on. So it, it's a little bit of both. That's why it's so important for each person to get to know themselves, to awaken to who they are. And a lot of times we don't even know ourselves very well. We actually like we might think we do, but we really don't. And that's what the Enneagram, it accelerates that ability to see and understand yourself on a whole new spectrum. Um, it's kind of like an x-ray, you know, an x-ray is going to expose very clearly what's going on. And that's what the Enneagram is going to do. So it's a, it's a very quick way of getting to understanding yourself and helping others to understand you. But the biggest thing with the Enneagram that I tell people, please don't use it as a sword or a shield. It is literally that exposing. You know, when you have those dreams where like, you like show up to school and you're like half naked and you're like, oh my gosh, I was so exposed. Like that is what the Enneagram is like. It's that exposing. So when I say I'm a type nine, if you know the Enneagram well, you know a lot about me more than maybe even my counselor does, right? Because it's that detailed and that exposing. So we don't want to use it as a sword to belittle, to shame, to harm, to hurt anyone else, even ourselves, right? We don't want to harm ourselves with knowing what we are like, but we don't want to use it as a shield. Like, well, I'm a nine. Sometimes I check out, you guys are just kind of deal with it. Like that is not going to promote any good growth in relationships, right? Like we need to own our own stuff, not in a way that condemns ourselves or shames ourselves, but just owns it and says, Hey, I, I want to grow and then ask people to support you in that way. So those are some things to really keep in mind when people start using this tool. Beth, what is the news in this movement? Because for me, it's been very trendy. I, I'm often being asked now, what's your Enneagram type? Enneagram type. Why is it so in the air right now? Was there was there some news in the Enneagram community that has sort of surfaced it or a celebrity that suddenly was was touting Enneagrams? Yeah. So in 2016, you know, Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile came out with a book, The Road Back to You. And for at least the Christian community, it was the first book because the Enneagram itself is a neutral tool, but there's been a lot of teachers that let's say are the new age or they're mystic or Catholic or kind of all over the place, um, but not really someone in the Christian sphere really bringing it in a way that they could use it or understand it, feel quote unquote safe with it. And so this was the first tool that kind of brought it slightly into that Christian sphere. And it's a fun, narrative, whimsical book. And 
it really just helped to open up this understanding of the Enneagram from a different viewpoint, a different perspective. And, you know, just like I'm sure any groups that are out there, once it gets in, it starts to become like, you know, a wildfire, you know? And so with a Christian community, it just started to really spread in 2016. And here we are five years later, and it's still at a feverish pace. We have about 2000 uh, Enneagram takers each and every day at your Enneagram coach. Um, and that's organic. We're not looking for these leads. That That is how engaged people are with this. They're wanting to know, why do I think this way? Why do I get stuck? Is there a way out? And when you have something that is so clear and so precise and can guide you to growth and to you know help you to stay away from your pitfalls, I mean, that is gold. Like We're all looking for transformation. That's why we buy the products we do or the coaching we do or the counseling. We're looking for transformation. And this is that shortcut, um, though there's a lot of work to it. It's the shortcut to seeing why we think, feel, and behave the way we do. So yeah, it is popular for those very reasons. Well, I mean, I I could talk to you all day because this is really, really interesting stuff. And to be honest, it's kind of new to me and I bet it is to a lot of our listeners as well. So I encourage everybody to go out and take their assessment because it's, it is pretty eye-opening and then use the powers for good and not evil. Take it, take the information, not a learn source. how to use it, <laughs> schedule an appointment with Beth, learn how to use it to be your best self, right? To really take it to up your game, up your hustle and up your kind of vibrational energy so you can be your best. Thank you so much, Beth. We always end our show with with two quick things, right? And I do the first one. It's a quick little lightning round. I ask the questions. Are you ready? I will see. See, I'm a type nine. So it's like, we'll see what happens here. (laughs) Okay. They're they're pretty tricky. So fasten your seatbelt. Question number one. Okay. Morning or evening workout? Evening. What is your favorite kind of workout? Mm -hmm. Uh, Weightlifting. Love it. Love that. And third, coffee, tea, or matcha? Oh, coffee for sure. Yes. We don't have Heidi today, and we normally do something called the karma call, which she would tell you is a Sanskrit word for action. So we want you to leave people with one action step that could make their lives a little better. I would say the biggest thing is to start to observe why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways from a non-judgmental stance. Just take an observation of when you get maybe frustrated or even excited, like, why? Like what's going on? And then if you can download our free PDF, yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations, you'll see all nine types core motivations and see where the the motivation behind what you thought and felt, what where it landed on each type. And then start to just observe again from a non-judgmental place. Be kind to yourself so that you can start to use these resources and tools to grow. Wonderful, wonderful. If more people just took one small step back and observe themselves in any given day and their motivators, I think we would just have a lot more of a kind of transparent vision of ourselves and be able to behave a lot better and feel a lot better. Thank you so much, Beth. And thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. And thank you, everybody at home, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast anywhere that podcasts can be consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. 